This week's episode is sponsored by Jagged Edge Productions and ITN Studios' Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2. Only in theaters, March 26th to March 28th. The suspenseful and thrilling sequel to last year's immense hit, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey, amplifies the gore factor with ten times the number of kills to put fans both new and old at the edge of their seats. After Christopher Robin reveals their existence, Winnie the Pooh, Piglet, Tigger, and Owl land on the endangered species list as hard targets. Unwilling to hide in the shadows, the ultimate scream team embarks on a murderous rampage through the town of Ashdown to get their revenge on Christopher Robin, once and for all. So don't miss out, and mark your calendars to catch the limited engagement of Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey 2, only in theaters March 26th to March 28th. Tickets are available now. Get in, losers. This is the Lady Killers, a feminine rage podcast. I'm Jen. I'm Sammy. I'm Rocco. And I'm May. Our podcast is a tribute to the female identifying killers in horror and more. Each episode will feature us, your Supreme Court of female murderers, discussing our favorite lady killers from your Julias and Jennifers to your Carries and Christines. We'll tell her story, decide if it's good for her horror, and answer the most important question of all. Would we die for her? Join us on Thursdays as we pull on our sweaters, snatch our ice picks, sharpen our scissors, and honor the lady killers who live on the silver screen. No boys were harmed in the making of this podcast. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> Greetings, constant listeners. What you're about to hear is a clip from our exclusive Patreon episode in which the losers head to Normal Valley to discuss Stephen King and Michael Jackson's ghosts. How do you hear the whole thing? Become a librarian over at our Patreon, The Barons. You can find a link in the description of the episode, or you can visit patreon.com backslash The Barons. Hope to see you over there in long days and pleasant nights. I'd like to actually say that Thriller was a huge gateway for horror for me, and the same way that Stephen King was a huge gateway for her because he's so mainstream and so big out there during the eighties. So I think it made sense that they would eventually work together, especially when you consider the fact that Michael Jackson pretty much set the template for a pop star in the sense that he was just going to work with the best, of the best, right? Like we've, we had a, you know, Caffrey, we were texting earlier and I, I did a you know laundry list of people that he had worked with, you know, Toto, Martin Scorsese. I love that I led with Toto. Like, what, like out of all the fucking people he had that he worked with, I led with Toto. Anyway, um, Martin Scorsese, you know, he worked with Slash. He worked with Eddie Van Halen. Uh, Francis um, Ford Coppola. I mean, even the video for Liberian Girl alone is just uh, a who's who of the of 80s. Yeah, it's, it's fucking ridiculous. I, I mean, feel so- like everyone wanted to be in his music videos during that period of time. Like, if you made it into a Michael mm-hmm. Jackson uh, video, like... That was a gold ticket. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. and it's it's really sad too, though, because with as many people as he worked with, and, and it did seem like all these celebrities loved him. He's on record saying that I don't think he had a lot of close friends. Like, and that's that's a really yeah. sad to me. Yeah. Just this idea that oh, he's got Steven Spielberg, and Martin Scorsese, and Francis Ford Coppola, and Whoopi Goldberg, and John Travolta. Who I mean, take your pick. And you're like, how many of them actually knew him? Um, I and I, I don't like blame the, the celebrities. Like this- 
it's, very it's, like sad, the, it's like the season six opener for entourage when vince like comes home and he's just like got no one there because all of his like buddies are out and it's like well i can't even imagine what it would be like <laughs> trying to like establish a connection with him yeah you know as an adult especially yeah. i mean just i i think that's what's lost when when there's the discourse around like you know who he was as a person because i i really just don't think he was able to operate yeah like, King talks in that essay. I mean, King talks about getting that phone call on the set of The Stand and how he was down to do it because it's Michael Jackson. Why wouldn't you? And how Michael kept calling Tabit, his wife Tabitha King, for Stephen oh, King's yeah. number, but he but he couldn't. He he was like calling her from inside his house and had, didn't have a pen, so he tried to write the number in the carpet and then started crying because cried. he. It's like so sad. Like you're just like, oh, this yeah. guy. I don't. For as prodigiously talented as he was, I don't I don't know if he knew how to quite function as a, as just an ordinary adult. Um, yeah, I mean, reading that essay, I, I was very moved by that. Just that, like you said, Mike. I mean, there are lots of obviously problematic things to talk about with Michael Jackson, but there is also this thing of uh, yeah, just I, I think he had a really hard time communicating with people as, and it got harder as life went on. I think that's the case with a lot of geniuses, though. I mean, because like mm. you read stories about how like you know Einstein couldn't even like fucking shit. Uh, with you know, like he would shit his pants and stuff like that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong with that. Maybe I'm wrong with that. Maybe I read that somewhere look wrong. That up. I probably should look that up, but I remember. Well, it's like, especially as them being young too into it, because I remember not that I'm a Bieber fan, but I remember someone or reading an article where someone said that like just a doctor had told Justin Bieber that because his uh, he had like established fame so early in life he like hit a certain level of endorphins or something like that where like he can never reach that level again so he can never be as happy as he was in that point of his teens like he just oh, can't God. reach that right that's and like, i was like that's so sad and that it's kind like of a heroin addict or something like it's uh because that, that's what they talk about with heroin addicts is that like it's that, that the reason why you're addicted is that you're always chasing that first hit yeah because it's supposed to be like euphoric to like you know the nth degree but it's never the same after that so it's like the addiction is the fact that you just keep chasing it and chasing it, chasing it, which might actually explain stardom, to be honest with you. I uh, <laughs> I can't find anything about Einstein having a hard time All right. shitting. So maybe I'm but, wrong but about shitting his pants. <laughs> he did, he, his the friend this later, He did come up in an article from Crack that six famous geniuses you didn't know were perverts, and I didn't know Einstein was a oh, pervert. So I'll, I'll read that later. But uh, no, anyway, no, continue. send me that too. Yeah, here, I'll I'll, I'll send it. I'll I'll send it over email to T both. <laughs> well. While you're looking up, you know, the scatological uh, ties to geniuses <laughs> out there, um, let's talk about the era of horror, because if we're going to trace this all the way back to 1993, which was when this project was initially conceived, this is like peak era for kids horror. I mean, you get like, Are You Afraid of the Dark? That's haunting Nickelodeon. Eerie Indiana that had its one season run, which is kind of sad because Joe Dante's involved in that one. It's a Incredible show. Period. Loved that show. It was a, Loved yeah. It. Um, you get Ghost Rider, which was big. Um, and then, like, you know, R.L. Stein starts his run of Goosebumps, which, I mean, we all pretty much remember. I mean, we all remember Goosebumps, right? Like, I mean, I do you remember the Scholastic catalogs you get in your school and you just be like... Oh, yeah. And you have to pick out which books you want. I miss the Scholastic book fair. So Me too. Oh, my God. That was, like, the thing I would look oh, forward to best. so much. And, like, especially when you come back from, like, I don't know, like, 
Spanish class or recess, and you'd have like the the books sitting on your desks. It was like the best thing. Oh man, Allison Shoemaker, who obviously a longtime listeners will uh, remember as as a loser, uh, she had a tweet the other day saying, "Oh, what if we had like the Scholastic Book Fair, but just for adults at a bar?" And I'm like, "That sounds fucking awesome." Yeah, yeah, it was was great. Yeah, no, yeah, I was a huge Goosebumps head. Um, I I read all of them up to a point. I mean, I think Mm. around. uh, I think the abominable snowman of Pasadena was probably around when I fell off. Uh, not because I think it was monster bad. blood two was when I was like, I don't, oh, I don't remember the exact. Oh, book. that one's good. Monster blood two is where the hamster gets really big. Yeah. I like that one a lot. Yeah. But yeah, a huge goosebumps head, but there is something very, it, um, I was watching, uh, catch up on Joe Bob on shutter. And I think it was Eli Roth who we had on was, was talking about the idea of PG horror, like, mo- yeah. like, horror movies and horror books that are, that are specifically geared towards kids, but are, are also trying to be really scary too. Yeah. You know, goosebumps. Um, I think he talked about that movie, the house with the clock and the walls. And yeah, I yeah. think that was very, would you guys say that this is probably the heyday of that, of, of that sort of PG 100%. horror? Oh yeah. The nineties was, that was all I watched and I loved horror movies and things like that. But my parents were always like, you're too young. So like, are you afraid of the dark was like my bigger fix because it was a little more, uh, darker than I would say Goosebumps was. Yeah, that was definitely uh, scarier, especially the TV show version of, of Goosebumps well, too. The thing that sucks about Are You Afraid of the Dark is that like they pretty much hit the watermark like in the second episode with Zebo, and then the rest of them <laughs> are just like kind of like uh, you know like oh the ghost wants to be our friend. It's like oh that's not scary. Yeah, they got. I think they were trying to like soften it up for people because yeah. it was like yeah. supposed to be on Nickelodeon. Yeah, I'll never was, forget when Zebo when that Zebo episode premiered, and I was just like, "Mom, wake up!" Like, <laughs> Zebo's is the clown one, right? Yeah, or, yeah, that one's freaking me out. Yeah, Which, it's funny too because yeah, Goosebumps early on. I mean, the Ghost Next Door, in my opinion, I mean, it kind of predates the Sixth Sense with the ending. And yeah. Welcome to Dead House and Monster Blood. I mean, a lot of them were actually, I loved the ones that were actually supernatural and actually dark. But then it did start to do the thing later on where it was like. Oh no, it was just a big misunderstanding. It was just the, you know, oh, the the werewolf was just my dog or something. Actually, come to think about it, like Goosebumps commits the same sin as Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because Welcome to Dead House is the scariest book of the whole series. Oh, yeah. And it's the first one. It's so scary. It's very dark. It's terrifying. And and he started, R.L. Stein started to do the thing too, where a chapter would end. Like, oh, I'm a scaly hand uh, grabbed me by the shoulder. Oh, I turned around. It was just my dad. He was painting. Yeah. And his hand was all wet. <laughs> it's like everything is okay. Nothing's, exactly. Nothing's wrong. Actually, no. what's funny is in preparation for this, uh, I started watching some old Goosebump episodes. <laughs> dun, yeah. dun, 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 dun. Exactly. And I watched the one where uh, the mask. I think oh, the haunted mask. Oh, haunted yeah. mask. Yeah. yeah. The haunted mask. And uh, I was like, wow, that one was actually, I would think if I was younger, I would be like kind of creeped out by it. Uh, but it was so like watching it now, even so, I was like, wow, we watched a lot of things that like if they could have taken it any certain route and it would have been like terrifying, but like watching them manipulated to tone it down for children. It's interesting to see how we play with like fear within the context of like what's appropriate for children. Oh yeah. yeah. Well, cause I'm guessing they don't hold up so well anymore. Right. The, the goosebumps yeah. episodes. Yeah. Some of them. I mean, I feel like there's some episodes of both. Are you afraid of the dark and goosebumps that like, if they updated with like effects now, the actual storyline could hold true. And I think even with ghosts, if they decided to update that with a little less corny, Oh, yeah. of it, oh. it might be, you could have the option of it being a little creepy because there's the, I don't want to get into that too early, but there are certain effects where I was like, it had the potential to be creepy. Yeah, the special effects are actually pretty good, I, I think. Right. Well, hey, he said shocker. it was supposed to be really scary, right? Yeah. I mean, well, that, that that's the thing that's, 
that's the that's the weird medium that he has to kind of tread here, which is why I actually think the parties that are involved are perfect for this. 